regardless of what the details of this contract is, by providing tools to an apartheid settler colonial entity, Google Google is enabling and, and not only enabling, but profiting off of violence against Palestinian people. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. And I'm Asa Winstanley. Welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. At the end of August, Google worker Arielle Corin announced that she was quitting the tech giant over what she says was a hostile work environment, retaliation, and illegal actions by the company. She also became a vocal protester of Project Nimbus, a billion-dollar contract between Google, Amazon, and Israel to build data centers in Israel on behalf of the Israeli military and government. Corin and other tech workers started speaking out about the contract, and Ariel says that Google retaliated by trying to force her out of her position. Last year, as Jonathan Cook wrote for the Electronic Intifada, two employees at Google and Amazon went public about Project Nimbus, and in their letter to The Guardian, quote, gave examples of how Israel would be able to use Amazon and Google's computer services to help enforce the occupation. Data would be used to identify Palestinian homes for demolition in what are often moves toward land clearances by Israel to build or expand illegal settlements. The data would also be used to guide attacks on Gaza, as well as assist Israel's Iron Dome missile interception system. The employees added that Google and Amazon will be directly implicated in Israel's wider apartheid policies, with Project Nimbus serving the Israel Lands Authority, which not only allocates lands for illegal settlements, but oversees discriminatory policies in land allocation inside Israel that openly privileges Jews over the fifth of the population who are Palestinian natives. Since Ariel Koren quit and went public about her refusal to aid and abet Israel's apartheid system with Google and Amazon technology, tens of thousands of people have signed a petition calling for no tech for apartheid. There was a day of action in Seattle uh, in September where tech workers in New York City, San Francisco, Durham, and Seattle escalated the pressure on their companies to drop the contracts with Israel. Joining us to talk uh, today to talk about this is Ariel Koren and Amazon worker Batul Syed, both with the No Tech for Apartheid campaign. Ariel and Batul, it's so good to have you with us today on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. So, uh, Ariel, let's uh, start with you. Let's get into what Project Nimbus is. And it should be noted that just after you went public with your resignation, uh, Google put out a statement denying that its products would be used to aid intelligence services or bolster the military. The company spokesperson said that the contract, quote, is for workloads running on our commercial platform by Israeli government ministries, such as healthcare, transportation, and education. And they said that these protesters were misunderstanding the contract. But Israel itself has boasted that, uh, quote, the project is intended to provide the government, the defense establishment, and others with an all-encompassing cloud solution. And recently, Google was forced to admit that this is indeed the case. Um, can you bring us up to speed here and tell us what Project Nimbus is and why you decided to quit in protest? Yes, as you've mentioned, Project Nimbus is a $1.2 billion contract between Google, Amazon, and the Israeli government, and includes the Israeli military as one of the beneficiaries. 
Google and Amazon have under this contract no right to regulate which agencies within the Israeli government can become beneficiaries of the contract or have access to the tools that are built out through the contract. So an example is that the ILA or the Israel Land Authority, which is the agency responsible for illegal settlement expansion, is one of the beneficiaries of the contract. Another thing that we find to be extremely concerning is that there is actually a clause within the contract that stipulates that Google and Amazon have no right to pull out of the contract, even in the event of worker protest or boycott pressure. So essentially, the contract is kind of like self-built to self-insulate against any sort of, um, you know, any any sort of voices of opposition or folks who try to hold Google and Amazon accountable to holding the Israeli government accountable for the way that they use tools. And in the event that the Israeli government uses the tools provided by Google and Amazon, which are extremely powerful AI tools to violate Palestinian human rights. You know, the, the company's hands are tied. They're wiping their hands of any sort of responsibility to regulate the way that the tools get used. So these are some of the extremely concerning facts about this contract. As you mentioned, um, well, Amazon had not provided a statement at all about Project Nimbus until very recently. Google had provided a statement, but was essentially essentially gaslighting, you know, thousands and thousands of members of the general public, its own shareholders, its own users, and its own workforce by saying that, you know, the protesters and the folks who have been speaking out about Project Nimbus have been quote unquote misguided. They've been denying the fact that this is indeed a military contract, right? It is it is a contract that is with the Israeli government, but it's but it through the contract, they are going to be providing AI tools to the Israeli military. Google has been denying this um, for a very long time, which constitutes gaslighting, essentially, because we know, you know, this has been reported on extensively at this point, the fact that the contract actually is going to be benefiting the Israeli military, and that the military will have essentially unrestricted access to whatever tools it needs through Project Nimbus. One of the really big recent kind of victories that we had as part of the No Tech for Apartheid campaign is that hundreds of workers and community organizers and activists walked out of Google and Amazon and protested outside, as you mentioned, in four different cities outside of the Google and Amazon offices. And immediately following these protests, Google finally admitted on record that the military was actually going to be a beneficiary of Project Nimbus. And, you know, something that we emphasize that we emphasize a lot is that we don't believe that Google should be contracting with governments and militaries that are violating human rights, right, regardless of what the details of this contract is, by providing tools to an apartheid settler colonial entity, Google, Google is enabling and, and not only enabling but profiting off of violence against Palestinian people. Um, but the fact that Google is actually providing tools to a military that is violating human rights and breaking international law on a daily basis is certainly cause for added concern. And that's why you, that is that is a huge piece of the motivation behind the No Tech for Apartheid campaign. It's holding companies like Google and Amazon accountable because they're large companies. They're supposed to be a public good. They're ubiquitous companies that most people, who, most if not all people who have internet access are using. And they shouldn't be contracting in a way that's unregulated and unrestricted with powerful militaries, really with any militaries, period. So this is, you know, this is kind of some context around the concerns that we have. And Batul, um, you currently work at Amazon and you're part of the No Tech for Apartheid campaign. Can you talk a little bit about what it's been like working, um, you know, with activists, tech workers, um, and and what the company's response has been thus far, if there's been any response? 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's been really encouraging to see the engagement of workers throughout this this period of time that we've been working on the campaign. We started back in May of 2021. And, you know, we really had a dream of having live in-person actions, never knowing if that's something that we would be able to get workers to engage with. Um, so it's been wonderful to see that we've had that continued and sustained support by workers along with the public. Um, another thing that's been huge for us in the workplaces, although there have been, and we've been fully inspired by workers, tech workers in the past who have done similar campaigns like the We Won't Build It campaign um, against facial recognition technology, um, campaigns against contracts with ICE and police and um, others like that, um, and have come together in the past. But this specific issue about uh, the harm that tech is doing to Palestinians has not been spoken about in the corporate workplace at this scale. Um, so being able to do that is uh, is really big for us to know that this is something that we can talk about in the not only in the workplace, but as workers, we can also talk about outside of the workplace as well and have that um, engagement from from other members of the community. Um, one thing that was huge to us as well is seeing the progression from a small group of workers to a larger group of workers up to the shareholder resolutions, um, which maybe we'll talk about further later, but that were uh, brought up earlier this year, which was the first time that Israeli apartheid was named in, um, in resolutions like this. So that's been great. Um, in terms of response from the companies, we really haven't had much of any. Um, at Amazon specifically, we haven't heard from leadership uh, in response to the letter around Nimbus that was sent um, last year, almost exactly a year ago. We still haven't heard anything till this day. Um, we haven't heard from the initial uh, petition that we sent in May either. Um, and it's been pretty much radio silent. We haven't heard anything kind of for the contract as much as we haven't heard anything against it from leadership from that corporate perspective. So we really have no idea where they stand. And as workers, it is disheartening to see that so many of us has, have raised this issue and have seen a complete lack of response from leaders. Yeah, I mean, they're probably yeah. just uh, hoping that it goes away, right? That that protesters oh, just get just bored. Just to add one thing to the credit of Batul yeah. and the other Amazon workers who have been organizing, you know, it's been, there's definitely been a discrepancy in terms of the reactions between both companies. Google has engaged in, unfortunately, a violent way towards workers, but they've at least engaged. But, you know, one thing that's really important to highlight is that Amazon workers have been mobilizing alongside Google workers to the exact same extent. And Amazon finally did provide a statement after the protest, which was huge. We've been waiting for a statement from Amazon for a really long time. And they actually did come out with their first public statement immediately following the protest as well. And it shows that, you know, worker organizing works. We are applying the kind of pressure we need to be applying. And we're hoping for more of that to come as well. What did the statement exactly say? Did it acknowledge that um, Project Nimbus is, uh, is, is going to be a tool to, to aid and abet Israel's uh, apartheid system? It was a very interesting statement, actually. So it didn't really acknowledge anything about the contract specifically. Um, the statement said that their AWS is committed to offering their technology to all customers worldwide. So that was kind of the piece, that's the extent of what they said about the contract itself. So very vague. Um, the other piece, interestingly enough, that they shared in their one and only statement was that um, they support workers' right to say what they want, um, which is not something that we ever expected. Um, that they would come out in a statement to actually put 
you know, pen to paper and say that. Um, so that was, that's also been a, an interesting thing that that's recently developed. And Arielle, you, um, you were forced out and, and in a retaliatory way by Google, um, in a, in a way that, I mean, you know, when we talk about this, um, as not just a, a matter of a principled protest, but it's also a labor issue. Um, can you talk about the way you were treated at, at Google, um, and for, for being outspoken, uh, as an anti-Zionist Jewish worker, um, who opposes this contract. Um, can you talk about a little bit about what happened? Yes, we have been organizing around this issue for a long time. And when I say this issue, it's, it's this, it's this contract, it's Project Nimbus, but it's, it's broader than just Project Nimbus, because this is really just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Google's complicity in Israeli apartheid violence. Um, there's just a very deep-seated, deeply ingrained history of repression and censorship of Palestinian voices, mostly folks who are Palestinian with the company, but also all voices that seek to express solidarity with Palestinian people across the company. Um, you know, we see folks being issued HR warnings on a regular basis just because they share news about what's happening in Palestine or people who, who are reprimanded, who are, you know, there are actually kind of material, there are material impacts on people's career opportunities, mobility within the company, and just a very, very deeply entrenched culture of retaliation against Palestinian folks and all folks who act in solidarity with Palestinian folks within the company. So this has been something that we've been organizing on for, for a long time. When we initially kind of started for myself as an anti-Zionist Jew and many other folks who are anti-Zionist, be it be because they're anti-Zionist Jewish folks or Palestinian folks or just folks who who feel that they want to act in solidarity with Palestinian people, the, the moment that we really felt that we needed to start to kind of bring that part of ourselves to work was in May of 2020. It was amidst the Black Lives Matter uprisings and the company Google had issued a donation to the Movement for Black Lives which many folks felt was kind of, it was a good thing in the sense that it was kind of the bare minimum that Google could have done at that moment, really the bare minimum. And unfortunately, myself and every other Jewish employee within the company received an email where the company was formally apologizing for the Movement for Black Lives donations. And when we read, you know, like, why were they apologizing for that? We learned that the Jewish ERG, which is called ERG means employee resource group. So it's kind of like a set of different groups that are meant to represent folks who have a marginalized identity, right? So there's a lot of examples. There's the Muslim Googlers network, there's the Black Googlers network, there's like the Gigglers, which serves as a space for like LGBTQ Googlers, right? These are just like different examples. Um, so uh, what we learned is that the Jewish ERG called the Jugglers or the Jewish Googlers um, had issued a formal complaint to the company stating that the Movement for Black Lives donations had been anti-Semitic because of the fact that the Movement for Black Lives had expressed solidarity with the Palestinian cause. And as a result, Google was issuing a formal apology for that, essentially say, you know, saying that we're sorry that this was that this was anti-Semitic. So we were just horrified. Unbelievable. It, yeah. It is unbelievable. And, and it was really, really horrifying. And so we immediately organized a petition calling on company leadership to rescind their apology. 
and to stand firmly by their donation with with the Movement for Black Lives. And instead of doing that, they responded by issuing amidst the uprisings, they issued a $400,000 formal company donation to a group of four different right-wing non-Black groups. And they said that the reason they were issuing this donation was in the name of fighting anti-Semitism. But these groups were all aligned with the Trump administration. They were all under right-wing leadership. All of these groups had as their kind of core organizing pillar support for the Israeli occupation, support for the Israeli military. They all had formal relationships with the Israeli military. And it was extremely concerning. So that was kind of like the point at which we started organizing. Um, And it was over a year later during the uprisings in in Palestine and the escalating violence during which over 250 people were killed by Israeli military violence in Gaza, at which point we learned that Google was kind of silently and and secretively rolling out a billion dollar contract where they were going to be profiting off of fueling this military violence. And that for us was a moment where we really ramped up our organizing and realized we needed to focus our efforts on the contract. So that's just kind of some background. And in terms of the retaliation, Myself, Batul on the Amazon worker side, and Gabriel, who's another Google worker, the three of us were kind of like the three workers who originally went public to oppose these contracts. And immediately afterwards, Google communicated to me that they had decided to relocate my role overseas effective immediately. I was I was at the time based in San Francisco. Um, and they told me that I was needed urgently in the Sao Paulo, Brazil office and that I would have 17 business days to confirm my move, to accept that move. And if not, you know, I would be out of the job essentially. And this was in the middle of the pandemic. It was in the middle of the surge of Omicron. Folks from the Brazil office were all working from home. So the, you know, this this purported business urgency around me being in Sao Paulo was just completely baseless. There was There was really no foundation on which to argue that this was a that this was justified by business and when I brought you know the news about this occurring to all of my co-workers their immediate response was this is very clearly retaliation um and so that was kind of that's kind of the background of what happened and uh, since since you publicly left has there been any further uh, communication from from Google HR or, or anything or they were just like fine you you're you're gone and that's it well, my initial response was to reach out to my coworkers, um, folks who are also members of the Alphabet Workers Union and just folks I had been organizing with, in addition to just people who were on my team. And I told them, you know, I think I'm going to have to leave the company. Like they've made it really clear if I, if I, if I don't accept the move to Sao Paulo, I will have to leave. And I didn't have, you know, it just didn't make sense for me. It wasn't feasible for me to move my life to a different hemisphere in the middle of the surge of Omicron. Um, So I just thought I was going to have to leave, but people encouraged me, you know, you should really fight this. Um, You should not accept this. And it was that encouragement that kind of gave me the, the wherewithal to, to move forward and to fight this case. So, you know, my coworkers organized a petition internally there are now over 800 folks from within Google who have signed the petition, calling on Google to rescind that act of retaliation. And over 25,000 people signed a public petition to the same effect. So I think we did really everything we could. And I was fighting, you know, this all occurred in November. Um, I resigned, I guess now it's a little over a month ago. So we were fighting this for almost a year. And unfortunately, the company just refused to budge and became increasingly hostile towards me. And so it became clear that I was going to have to to resign at that point. 
Amazing. Um, Batul, I want to come back to you. Um, Ariel was talking about, um, in the broader sense, how tech giants like Google and Amazon claim that they're serving people in ethical ways while pursuing these contracts with Israel. But it's not, it's not, you know, it's just like, this is just what we do as, as a company. We, you know, all anywhere, everywhere around the world, anyone can use our services sort of, um, you know, remark. Um, but as as journalist Jonathan Cook wrote for us a year ago, quote, pressure may be mounting on many companies to distance themselves from Israel over its occupation and apartheid policies. But for Amazon and Google, it is those very practices of occupation and apartheid that are a tech scene waiting to be mined. Can you talk about this and kind of the you know the, the this like uh, explosion of of tech contracts with Israel, um, in partnership with Amazon, Google, you know uh, other um, you know weapons companies, and you know Hewlett Packard, for example, all these biometric engineering technologies that are um, contracted with the Israeli military. Can you talk a little bit about um, Israel as as this you know this 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 tech seam waiting to be mined and how companies like Amazon are are looking at that? Yeah, that's a super interesting question. I think we see often uh, within the tech world generally, and even when I I used to live in the Bay Area, so in that kind of Silicon Valley community, what is often talked about in regards to Israel and tech is the innovations that Israel has come up with, um, the startups having the most unicorns, all of those kinds of things, right? And I think for companies, they see that in one light. They don't look at what the technology may be used for. That's one of the biggest things that we have discussed and is in all of the letters and things that we've published is that uh, the tech is not the issue. The tech inherently is not the problem. And actually we believe the tech could do a lot of good but it's what it's being chosen to be used for and what the uh, companies, I think importantly in this case, what the companies are allowing for it to be used for without any type of control, any um, overseeing any of uh, what it can be used for in terms of violence, increased violence, uh, increased discrimination against Palestinians in their own homes, in their uh, own land. But we don't talk about any of that, right? When it comes to Israel and tech, we only talk about uh, the AI tools, what are the AI tools used for? That's not an aspect that is um, discussed at all. Um, so I think it's very one-sided when it comes to um, to Israel and tech in general. And for these companies, of course, you know, there is that financial um, boost for them as well for entering into contracts like this, knowing the market that they're entering um, entering there. So it's very, it's very one-sided and it's also very um, kind of tunnel visioned in a sense that it's not looking at what the broader repercussions can be for entering into contracts like this, let alone against Palestinians in Palestine, but the precedence that this also sends for contracts that they can have in the future with other militarized groups and the harms that that can have um, overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um the let's go back to the the day of action that was planned um across the US that was led by tech workers um what's happened since those days of actions and uh, and what's next for the no tech for apartheid movement how is this campaign growing 
And and what are the next steps? Yeah, so with the Day of Action, it was a, a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to reach more people. A lot of times, you know, we kind of struggle. And I think a lot of times activism is like this, specifically kind of um, activism in the work or corporate activism, whatever you want to call it, where we feel a lot of times like we're only able to reach a certain group of people who may have already wanted to be engaged already. Um, that being said, the Day of Action was a wonderful tool in spreading the message to people who may not have heard about this, um, who may not, you know, a lot of us, we only found out about Nimbus by chance. It's not something that's been greatly publicized. So even opportunities, you know, like this, Nora, are super helpful for us to be able to reach other people um, but there's something special about having it live and in person and seeing people and if you're walking by kind of wondering what's that about and then you go and you google of course you have to use google right and then you figure out what it was right um, there's a lot of just overall unawareness about what Israel does I think generally amongst a lot of these groups um, of tech workers um, so this is, I think, an avenue for them to start to become aware of what's happening. We've also seen since then, we've had more workers who were actually public on the day of action itself, who spoke at the actions who hadn't previously done that, um, which is huge, of course, for them to actually use, you know, it's not even just behind the screen, they're actually live and in person speaking um, against this. And workers since then have been reaching out, we've been able to get in touch with a lot more workers um, who are really excited to be a part of this. And um, really want to help push the companies to end these contracts and others like them. Um, so we have been able to work with more workers since then and are really just looking at ways that we can continue to expand this. You know, we're looking at students. Um, there is, as part of the No Tech for Apartheid campaign, there is a student pledge um, to not take jobs at Amazon or Google. So worker, uh, students who are potential workers, of course, like the largest pool of workers that Amazon and Google, Google have, especially as they want at a low cost, um, are now encouraged to not take those jobs due to this contract. Um, so there's just multiple different ways that we're starting to get more involved with, or that we have been, but are now seeing more opportunities to get involved with other parts of the community um, and get more tech workers brought in. Um, but I'll let Ariel speak on anything else. Fully, fully agree with everything that Batul just said. You know, I think it was, I think Google was kind of attempting to, to sweep things under the rug and to portray this as being, you know, a small group of workers, a very marginal you know, group of workers. And I think with their act of retaliation, their attempt was, oh, let's get rid of this worker who spoke out and we can kind of scare the rest of the workforce into silence and keep this kind of keep this, you know, tucked away. And the opposite has occurred because when Google sought to retaliate against me, workers did not get scared into silence. Instead, they became activated. They became additionally and increasingly angry about Project Nimbus and about Google's culture as, as a you know as a whole, Google has this culture of repressing any sort of opposition to Google's complicity in Israeli apartheid violence. And now all of this, all of all of these voices that Google was trying to silence are now coming to the forefront. And I think, you know, when, when the, the week that I resigned, there were 15 Google workers who shared out anonymous 
testimonies, most of whom were Palestinian, others were Arab and Muslim and anti-Zionist Jewish allies to Palestinians who are workers also within Google, who shared their firsthand accounts of being silenced at the company. There were folks who shared, uh, there was one, one story of an incredible friend and coworker of ours as a Palestinian coworker who was literally reprimanded just for wearing kufiya in the workplace, for wearing traditional Palestinian clothing in the workplace. They were literally told that they had to, you know, remove their, their picture that was on their internal team page because of the fact that they were wearing Palestinian clothing. There was another worker who just wrote a message, um, you know, free Palestine in their internal company bio. And, and many people share out messages in their internal company bias that's not out of the out of the ordinary but they particularly put a message in support of palestinian freedom they were issued a formal warning by hr and ultimately when they refused to remove it their bonus was taken away and they were given a performance deduction on their performance evaluations so you know there were just so many stories that people were bravely sharing out about their experiences one palestinian coworker wrote it's impossible to express any sort of disagreement with the war waged on palestinians without being called into hr with the threat of being issued a formal warning and being retaliated against that's kind of quote unquote quoting this palestinian coworker from google so there were 15 folks who are bravely sharing these stories and they're representing hundreds more and then the the following week we now have these days, this day of action where we have four mass protests, these huge protests with this huge turnout and all of these workers chanting and marching and screaming in the streets, holding Google and Amazon accountable. And so I think the biggest impact here is that this is no longer just like one or two or three workers speaking out. This is there are 10 workers who are public, but there's over a thousand workers at Google who have put their names on a petition. And there are hundreds of workers who are starting to become activated around this. And so it's become really clear that if Google continues to just to, to try to sweep this under the rug, the voices of, of the workforce will get louder and louder. And we're not going anywhere until Project Nimbus does. You know, we're not going anywhere. And this movement is is here to stay until something until something happens. Ariel Koren and Batul Syed, um, if people want to engage with the No Tech for Apartheid campaign, send it to their friends and family members who may be workers uh, at Amazon and Google, where can they go? There's two places I think that I would first recommend. One is the notechforapartheid.com website where you can read more about the campaigns. You can sign on yourself, find publications, all those things. The second is a worker-led Twitter account, which is at DropNimbus. And there we'll be sharing updates and amplifying other voices and all of those things in, in real time. And just the, the one thing to add is um, bit.ly, bit.ly, right? Mm -hmm. Slash Google dash voices. You can actually read and please amp amplify the voices of Palestinian Google workers who have shared out their experiences and their stories because, you know, I think the biggest tool that, that Google has in its toolkit right now is, is the suppression and the silencing of Palestinian voices within the company and voices that act in solidarity with Palestinians. And so, you know, to the greatest extent possible, we need to amplify these stories and these voices and show Google that we will be holding them accountable. And we'll have all of those links um, up on the blog post that accompanies this podcast episode on the Electronic Intifada. 
uh, Ariel Koren and Batul Syed. Thank you so much for all that you're doing and all that you've done already. And we will um, we will stay in touch and and keep on this story. Thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you for having us. Thanks for watching this video. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit like, leave a comment. These engagements help us with the YouTube algorithm and it helps us to get around Silicon Valley censorship as much as possible. It does make a difference. You can also support our journalism by going to electronicintifada.net and clicking on donate now. Thank you.